Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. The Bruins lead the Islanders 2-0 after the first period. The Rangers up 4-zip on the Flyers early in period 2. Man, it's been a kind of bumpy ride for the Flyers lately. 1-1 Devils and Capitals early in the second period. No score Hurricanes and Blue Jackets in period 2. The Oilers' next opponent, the Toronto Maple Leafs, are trailing the Ottawa Senators two minutes into the second period, even though the Leafs have a 16-8 advantage in shots on goal. Connor Brown, the only goal of the game, his seventh of the season. And also in the second period, Penguins up 2-0 on the eternally struggling Buffalo Sabres. Blues and Wild coming up in a few minutes. Panthers and Blackhawks, Red Wings and Predators also get going right away. Later on, Lightning and the Stars and the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. Busy night tonight in the NHL. The Oilers practiced in Montreal and have traveled to Toronto getting ready for Saturday's game. They will finally be back at it, and we'll have that one for you on Saturday. Face-off show at 3.30. The puck will drop at 5. Can also tell you tonight the Canadian men's soccer team, led by Edmonton's Alfonso Davies, starting its uh, World Cup qualifying run with a game in Florida against Bermuda. This is for a good old CONCACAF qualifying uh, game. just a couple minutes old. No score yet, so we'll keep you updated on that one as well. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can get in touch on the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. That is 780-496-0063. That's also the number to text. You can follow me on Twitter, 78, uh, or that's the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter. I, some people have accidentally tweeted out their personal phone number, and then I think usually quickly deleted it. Uh, my Twitter account is at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. People have actually uh, unintentionally tweeted out things a lot more embarrassing than uh, than their phone numbers. I don't think I've done that yet. And uh, you can email the show inside sports at 630ched.com. You know, I actually, I, I want to dive into something here. And I, I actually think it's going to connect with some of you. Because I, I know there are, are you know, hockey is the number one sport in our country. And I know that of the 14 of you who have listened, some of you have played hockey, some of you have played hockey at a high level. And uh, or you probably know somebody that played junior hockey, whether it was in the Western League or in the AJHL or one of the other junior leagues in the country. Or maybe you've had, uh, you know, a sibling or a, or a parent involved, or you are a parent yourself of a player currently in junior hockey who are, who has gone through uh, junior hockey. Sometimes we even have coaches or managers of, uh, you know, AJHL teams who tune into to the, this show occasionally. So I want, I want to get into a story today and I, I'm actually curious for your opinion on not so much the story, but I think some of the things that we should talk about that revolve around this story, because the story itself, the actual thing that was reported uh, was not accurate, and and hey, sometimes that happens. I'm not you know going to crap on the uh, on the media personality uh, that that put it out there. He thought he had the information. Um, 
it's what he said is happening is not happening, but that doesn't mean that there isn't uh, something revolving around what he said. Um, so it's, you know, it's Rod Peterson, who used to be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play-by-play voice, longtime broadcaster, uh, you know, most of his career in Saskatchewan. He's very well known and very connected there. He hasn't done the Riders games for at least a couple of years now. And he, you know, he started a podcast and he does a really good job. He's a good broadcaster. He's connected. He gets good guests on. So he reported that the BCHL, the Junior A League in BC, is, uh, is leaving the Canadian Junior Hockey League, which in itself isn't actually a league. The CJHL is the association, the body that is made up of the 10 Junior A leagues in Canada and helps them set up the national championship and is kind of an umbrella organization with some guidelines and stuff like that. And then he also said that there that the, the BCHL is, is going to leave the CJHL and that some Alberta teams, and he specifically named a couple of them, are going to go join this this other league. So me, like, and I'm sure you've seen other people reporting along the way, these Alberta teams are fully say that's not happening and that they haven't even talked about it and that they're not interested in doing it. I talked to somebody with the Grand Prairie Storm who said, Reed, you can flat out say the Grand Prairie Storm are not doing this and aren't interested in doing it. And I talked to some other teams uh, as well. But what what actually is happening and what what could this possibly uh, mean going forward if we if we look at what's actually happening? So I've had more than one person tell me, and, and you know Rod said this: the BCHL has voted to to leave the CJHL. Uh, I heard it was unanimous, all the teams. Okay, so what's what's going on in the BCHL? Well, they don't want to necessarily be tied to what the CJHL tells them to do. And it's it's my understanding through multiple conversations today that there are t- some teams in, in BC that want to uh, you know pay to play. They charge the p- players to play. So if you're a junior A player, it's still kind of like minor hockey. You got to come up with the money to play. Usually, obviously, that means the parents are going to have to pay. Uh, and other teams don't. So if you're... Let's let's take Penticton. If you know a, a really good team in the BCHL, they got an awesome rink. I mean, heck, the NHL uses it for their prospect tournament when the Canucks put it on, and the Oilers go out there with with their prospect team. They got an awesome rink. They're well supported. They're usually good. They don't need to have the players paying to play, and they you know usually beat the snot out of the weaker teams in the league. So, what could happen? And again, I, I'm going to move into speculatory territory here, so I want to I want to be clear about that. But like I said, with what Rod said today, there there is something there. It's not imminent, you know. It's not imminent that these teams are going to leave Alberta and go play with the BC teams. But let's well let's think about what's happening. There, you, you know, some teams in BC are really successful, some aren't, and the same thing here in Alberta. But this is starting in BC, so let's start there for now. So you got a handful of teams that might want to say we we need the players to pay to play and you got some of the other teams usually the better teams and the better funded team and the more elite teams who are saying we don't need to do this we can get good players we can continue having high quality hockey and maybe we can just play the other good teams in our league we don't have to have the teams that come in and aren't very good yet year after year and don't draw when they come and, and aren't doing as good a job developing players. Okay. 
So, so here's, here's what could happen. Could these teams in BC, the better teams, could those be the ones that maybe, and, and again, this isn't happening tomorrow, but could those be the ones that say, all right, we think we can do this on our own. We're not with the CJHL. We're going to form a junior A league. So it's still junior A, but we're going to be the BC elite A league or whatever they would call it. Junior A elite league. And those teams would exist and go out on their own and they would play. They would, they would play each other. And you know what? Maybe they wouldn't be able to play for the, the junior A national championship. Um, but they would say this is a better model for us and we want to attract the best players and not have to worry about some of the guidelines and restrictions that the CJAHL puts on us that we don't believe in. So if that success, and this is where I'm totally speculating, but I, I think we have to recognize that this could be in the realm of possibility as we move forward, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the road. Let's say this BC league existed, and a BC like league like this could exist. I mean, those teams could could do this. Then, do they say to the best teams in the AJ, "Okay, we come do this. We've proven that it worked. Let's expand, and and let's do this." So, it's totally premature to say that anything is happening with the AJHL right now. And I think it's a little premature to say that anything like this is happening with the BCHL right now. But I think we have to recognize that things are changing. Things are changing for junior A hockey. And there's competition from other leagues outside of this country like there never has been before. And you've probably all heard of a league called the USHL, which is junior A hockey in Alberta. And I remember when I started working in Lloydminster 21 years ago, and you know, you'd know you see somebody played in the USHL, and somebody who knew the AJHL really well said to me, Reed, that's glorified junior B hockey. Well, starting around 2010 or 2011, it really started to take off. And now it's a big league. It's a well-funded league. And I, I think, uh, I can't find my notes here, but I, it's over the last six years, there have been 50 players per year drafted out of the USHL. Now, some of that includes the guys on the U.S. National Development Team program, which is not, in my mind, sort of a full participant in that league. But even if you take those guys out, I mean, that's 30 players. Like, there's been years where the USHL, junior A hockey in the United States, has had more players drafted than some of the major, the, some of the three major junior leagues in Canada. Like there was a year they had more players drafted than the Q and then the O. So it's not something to look down at and say, well, it's just American junior A hockey. No, it's a damn good development league. And so I think the leagues in Canada are going to have to find ways to adapt. And maybe this is a path that they wind up taking where there is some separation where the wealthier and better performing junior A teams, and maybe it starts in BC and then maybe moves to Alberta, say, okay, we we are, you know, we're still junior A. We're not saying we're major junior and our players can still go to the NCAA, but we're elite junior A hockey. And we have the funding for it and we have the players for it. And that's how we're going to present ourselves. So just, just something to think about. Because what Rod said 
you know, the accuracy of the AJ teams, you know, perhaps leaving imminently is not accurate, but there's something to this. And there's long-term things that could change that as we move along. Somebody wrote in, USHL is more comparable to the WHL. The NAHL is more comparable to the AJ. Well, you know what? That's that's a fair comment. Like, the USHL is is good hockey. Like, it's it's become a really good league, but they can still go to the NCAA. So, anyway, just some stuff going on today. And, uh, I, again, you know, the, the exact thing that Rod said that got all the headlines, that in itself wasn't accurate. But I also want, want to come in here and say, there is some smoke to the fire that he's talking about, or maybe some fire to the smoke. Just maybe it's not the exact one that he was trying to, uh, trying to indicate. You can chime in on this or anything else you like. 780-496-0063 back after the break. for uh tuning in tonight just talking a little bit about the uh the the uh again it turned out you know what what rod said wasn't wasn't accurate but there there could be a, a shift here in in junior a hockey perhaps over the next decade per, perhaps over the next decade it's not imminent it's i don't think it's gonna well i'm, I'm pretty sure it's not gonna happen in the fall but but things could change and i mean look a lot of things are are I mean, we could we could do, and well, some days we have. I mean, we could do an entire show with developmental hockey, minor hockey. Like, I, okay, I as, as you guys know, if you're regular listeners, um, like I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a parent. I don't have any kids, but there are some of you probably around my age who have kids. You know, 15 to 20. How much, how much have you paid for their minor hockey? Was like, was it ever a strain? Did you ever consider, my God, we might have, like, maybe he, maybe our son or daughter can't play because we just can't afford it. Like, that that's another thing. What, what about hockey academies? You know, these sport, sports academies. Like, is this is this another concern? Because here's the thing, like, if, if some of these junior A teams want to go to pay to play, is that another thing that prices out some very good hockey players from continuing their careers, even if they don't go pro? I mean, the NHL is the dream. It's the pinnacle, but there's a lot of valuable experiences and great levels of hockey to be had. Um, that 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 they're not going to be able to continue their careers, even even to play junior A, and maybe you know maybe that gets them a scholarship in the NCAA. Again, maybe they don't go pro. Okay, so they don't, but they're able to play hockey and, and use that for something else and perhaps for some other opportunity in life. That's a whole other, other topic to this. I, I don't know. Like somebody can tell me, I, you know, if you want to text me seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, three, I'm not going to give away your, your name. And I mean, I don't know your last name anyway, even if you give me your first name, like how much money have you spent on your kids uh, minor hockey over the years? If, if you're a parent with a kid in an Academy, how much does that cost? I guess it can't be cheap. And you know, everybody's financial situation is, is different. But I'm just saying, like, are, are we going to lose the, the the players who, you know, grow up in a small town rink and can play minor hockey and get discovered and get 
drafted or is the only way going to, are the only kids that are going to make it are the kids with, you know, families or sponsorship or something like that, that can pump all the money into it. And it like, is that already happening? I think it is to some extent, but I'm, I'm sounding way more cynical than I, than I like to, but I, I, I hope some of you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, Doug says, Reed, I'm wondering, and I'm sorry, I got a lot of texts, so there's no way I'm going to be able to read them all on air. But Doug says, I'm wondering if this is a shift away from Hockey Canada governance for these junior teams at lower levels. We see the same thing with the HSL in Alberta. They want more control over the development model, attempting to pull the best from minor hockey. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. Like, is Hockey Canada going to have to rethink everything? Because now private... Not, you know, private institutions or leagues can kind of can kind of do their own thing. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And say, we're just going to take the elite, and we're going we're gonna to run with it from there. Uh, you're happy to chime in. Scott Hartnell's coming up as well. Inside Sports on Chet. Canada has scored. Oh, they just scored again. World Cup qualifier, men's soccer, Canada and Bermuda. Good old CONCACAF. I'm going to put this out there tonight for uh, fun on the text line. A canned ham to the first person who can tell me what CONCACAF stands for. What do you think of that one, Kellen? I got to double check it. <laughs> I yeah, know, I was going to say. I, I know. I know what it means. <laughs> I Like, I know what part of the world it encompasses. Uh, okay, there it is. Somebody will know. There's some pretty, pretty big uh, football fans out there, soccer fans. Yeah, there we go. It Canada's, is Canada's up 2 nothing. <laughs> Canada's up 2-0 uh, over we, Bermuda. 27th minute uh, CONCACAF start of the first round mm-hmm. of World Cup qualifying for Canada. It's just fun to say CONCACAF. And we it's were... It's one of those funnest things to say. And we, like the most... In uh, terms of prestige... You'd sooner win, you know, the World Cup or the Stanley Cup, but in terms of something that's fun to say, well, what'd you win? I won Concacaf, and I'm I mean Concacaf champion. <laughs> Sounds good. And I mean, we were slash are a kind of a Concacaf hub in this city because how many Concacaf games have been played at Commonwealth Stadium? I have no years? idea, Kellen. How many? Like pro- probably <laughs> dozens. <laughs> Literally I dozens. Would I would be. say. I mean, I, I, are we even still officially the national soccer stadium of Canada? You know what happened? I, I don't that, know. It was that game in Commonwealth where Canada tied Brazil. Right. Um, I don't think that it would be how many men's well okay well we hosted FIFA we mm-hmm. hosted FIFA um but in terms of we hosted the FIFA women's how many men's international games either a friendly or a qualifier have been played at Commonwealth Stadium I bet you it's under 20 I'd have to check you Somebody know what I'll, I'll take the over on that all right 
and we'll see who's the the whose cuisine will reign supreme at the end of the night. Gamer Brian gets a canned ham. The Confederation of North Central America and Caribbean Association football. Ooh. Now, Brian, be honest because you're getting the canned ham. Did you Google that or did you know it? And if you Googled it, did you just cut and paste off Wikipedia? <laughs> no, I will not judge you or look down on you. First of all, your handle on the text line is Gamer Brian, which is cool. I picture you're probably playing, uh, I don't know, maybe an Assassin's Creed game, maybe God of War while you're listening to Inside Sports. There it is. Write that down that we owe Brian or Gamer Brian a canned ham, Kellen. You got the tally on the whiteboard there? I do. This texture says, my son played in the SJHL and the AJHL, currently is in the NCAA, played club hockey growing up. The cost was easily in the six figures total. It wasn't easy, but definitely worth it. He was never in trouble, always did well in school and learned so many important life lessons. And uh, another texture says, uh, my son is uh, U11. He's in an academy that costs just under $3,000 a year. All right, 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. And, of course, if you're calling, you are using the Certainty hotline. Sort of on this topic, uh, Dave Tibbet played Junior A as a player. Then he went to North Dakota before going to the NHL and playing with the Hartford Whalers. And, uh, you know, Oilers are between games here. So I asked him a little bit about that journey and how it compares to current players. I get asked this question a lot and what it is it comes down to the individual player and I'll just I'll just go from my background when I was playing tier two I was still pretty small and you know it was the league was seemed like it was bigger than or bigger was better um, you know so it it uh, it was an advantage for me to go to school and you extend your your time to develop and even though I wasn't drafted you're playing at a high quality and and uh, you know, I started I started college playing college at 19, I think. So I got you know uh, a couple more years to show what I could do. So it depends where a player is in the development end of it. Um, I think the college route is really it's really improved because they get lots of time to practice. There's their games mean so much. They're you know all those the top college programs are run very much like a, a pro franchise. And, you know, in North Dakota, they have the arena and facilities there are, are as good as any NHL team. So you, you're the ability for you to get better in those situations is, uh, is right in front of you. Now, that being said, you look at the junior franchise and they're doing the same thing. I mean, you go to some of these junior franchises and they're run exactly like a pro team. So uh, it depends on the maturity of the player, you know, size of the player, where he's at in his game. And I've always said it's it's more an individual thing rather than clumping everybody into one. One's better than the other. The individual the individual, and where he's at in maturity and talent-wise is it usually you know, if they, they can go one way or another and it can almost improve their chances of making it. It's interesting stuff from Dave Tippett. Gives you uh, gives pretty thoughtful answers when he gets rolling. I like that. Okay, we're going to take a timeout. Scott Hartnell, former NHLer, when we get back. <laughs> Maple 
Leafs and Senators now 1-1 late in the second period. Oilers at Toronto on Saturday. Face-off show at 3.30, game at 5. Finally getting back at it. It'll be right here on 6.30, Chet. Hey, we welcome back to the show. He played 17 years in the NHL, now working as an analyst. It is Scott Hartnell on Inside Sports. Scott, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And I, I warned you, retiring would not mean that I would stop bugging you for interviews, especially when you go into the media. <laughs> I, th- I thought it would, but uh, I was mistaken. <laughs> well, it's it's always good to have you on. And uh, I got to say, I, I, I've seen you on TV a few times this year, but when yep. you're on, I'm usually doing a pregame show or an, or an intermission. But you've expanded... Uh, your role a little bit with NBC Sports and some color commentary. Yeah, well, I, I did one color game. I have one next week, uh, Wednesday, uh, Buffalo Sabres and the Flyers. So I've uh, um, kind of done the pre-intermissions and post-game with the Flyers and now doing a couple of color games when Keith Jones, he's usually the color analyst when he's got another commitment. I got, I got asked to fill in and uh, there's definitely some nerves the first time, but I think settled down as the game went on and uh, I think it'll be a little less, less nerves uh, going into game number two. Yeah, um, I mean, did you did you like that? Did you, you did you feel like you got back into the flow of a game a bit, or how was it? Yeah, it's it's it was cool because it was at home, right? And and this game, next game will be an away game, so you're just watching the feeds on the TV, right? You're trying to call Jim Jackson is trying to call the game by watching just the TV what he sees, right? So yeah, uh, you kind of miss players' names. You don't really get to see the play develop, or if a defenseman jumps in. Uh, my first game, it was at home, so you got the bird's eye view, and uh, it was really neat. And you know, it's it's uh, uh, it's an easy game from up there because you see the passes that should be made, or you see the pressure that's coming, and you just try and come in and you know get, put your two cents in and and uh, get out and let the the play-by-play guy go at it. So it was it was a a learning experience. I screwed up a couple times. My mic wasn't working the first period. I couldn't hear the the guy in the truck. So a little a couple little hiccups, but it was end up being a a, a fun time. Did you, was there a barrier to cross or maybe barrier is not the right word, but a hill to get over talking about guys that you played with and are probably friends with? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you gotta be some tough love, I guess you could say, right. If, if things are going well and, you know, a couple uh, mistakes here, or there miscoverage and uh, you, you, uh, uh, actually my mom, Joy, uh, you know her well. Uh, she just always said, she said to me when I played and, and now that I got in the media, she goes, just remember one thing somebody's mom is always watching right so you don't want to be too hard on a guy uh, a home player or you know the visiting player that you don't really know or whatever right so i'm like well that makes sense well that's good advice so <laughs> yeah yeah never make it personal that's that's the thing right it's uh, yeah yeah hockey hockey's one thing but leave it to what happens on the rink for sure well the flyers had an interesting week didn't they uh because what nine nothing and then was it the next game they they had the lead but lost the lead they, and then won they had some crazy games yeah, they were up 3 nothing and was playing their best game, and then they sat back, and Islanders are obviously a good hockey club. They were they moved the puck really well, three quick goals, and then Oscar got a nice goal late to win the game in regulation, and then they got killed the next game versus the Islanders, played another good game against the Islanders, lost 2-1 in overtime. They scored another third-period period goal to tie it up, and and then they can't beat the the Lonely Devils who are, are below them in the standing. So it's uh, uh, been a, definitely a roller coaster. More downs this year than... Then ups, but they they have a few games here in, in March that, that that are must wins for them if they want to kind of sneak or try and sneak into that four spot. I mean, I don't know if you were ever in a nine nothing game, but you had some that would have gone your way and and some that that didn't. And, and like I know pro hockey players 
uh, never give up, but I know that yep. if they see the scoreboards like five goals with five minutes left in the second period, they know coming back is pretty hard. Like when you were in those lopsided games, are you were you almost like, okay, like either way, let's just run the clock and get out of here, or how do you stay engaged in those? Yeah, you, you want to play, right? You take the foot off the gas, and that's when you might get hurt, or, you know, that's when it kind of it's a green light for a team to kind of run around a bit and, you know, late hits. So you want to always kind of be aware, but. You know, some of the goals that were given, it was just self-inflicted wounds and just kind of just easy breakdowns and breakaways. And uh, I was a part of a 10 nothing win versus the Montreal Canadiens when I was in Columbus. And it was Carey Price's night off. And so he was on the bench watching all 10 goals go in on his on his goaltender. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was fun. Well, obviously, there was crowds then, right? And so it was like, we want eight when it was 7 nothing, And then we want nine and we want 10. And they wanted 11 too. They wanted us to keep going going so it was uh, it was pretty funny to, to be on the right side of that game but haven't been on the part of a losing side but it was tough to watch yeah scott hartnell joining us tonight on inside sports well i you know i was, I was uh, talking about you being retired at the start of the interview um i i believe though you're still younger than mike smith uh <laughs> who's an incredible story yeah for the oilers this season i mean he's he's in awesome shape as of course all you guys are he's an incredibly outgoing personality um as you could be during your your career as well but i mean he's yep. like I, i've said it on our broadcast that if you like just started following the oilers this season you would think why was the goaltending being questioned before the year i mean he's he's been awesome yeah he's such a fiery guy I've trained with him a few times uh, once during the the lockout uh, one of the lockouts i was down in phoenix with my my parents down there and skated with a bunch of them when he was with the coyotes and uh just seemed like a guy you wanted to be around right you want to sit close to uh, to him in the dressing room because he's always chucking uh, um, some good jokes around and things like that so he, he's he's got something to prove right he hasn't won and uh, he's got a great team. Obviously, he's got some uh, some of the most elite superstars in the league in front of him. So uh, when he's on, he's on. And, uh, you know, sometimes he gets a little off and uh, could be running around a little bit in that. But it's uh, um, a good good problem to have when he's competitive and, and you have that fiery edge that he has. So I'm wondering, too, and, you know, in your career, being physical and being on the forecheck was a big part of your game. When when you play against an outstanding puck handling goalie, and I know mm -hmm. they're all good now, but he's he's outstanding. Would that mess up your flow of trying to get in on a forecheck? Yeah, it just makes you you try and be a little bit more aware of where you're dumping the puck. You know, you either try and go as hard as you can around, or you're trying to do soft chips. But a lot of those times, uh, they end up getting turned over. Right, defensemen knock those those soft chips down and. You know, you're springing your forwards the other way. So the Oilers have done that, right? And then if it does get to the goalie, he's been, uh, the defenseman go to the corners. He gets to, he knows where the four checkers are. He goes to the defenseman that doesn't have anyone on him. And then they're out of the zone, right? It's it's so easy to play when you have a puck moving uh, goaltender that makes the right plays, you know, 98% of the time, right? So it's a, a good problem to have and makes it a lot easier on your defenseman as well. They're not having to go back for pucks and getting buried in the glass and, you know, then picking themselves off the ice and you know then you're playing defense it's a lot more clean exits and uh makes it a lot more easy uh, a lot easier on the defenseman so i'm sure they appreciate it yeah well sometimes we say he's probably the oilers third or fourth best puck moving defenseman <laughs> not, I mean, not to take it away from the other guys yeah, but i gotta say one. i like he's been a, a huge story since he came back and now tyson berry's taken off and darnell nurse already has 10 goals and it's funny because i i still read some stuff Wow, Barry's not that good defensively. Wow, well, he gives up a lot of chances. And I'm thinking, well, 
But the Oilers have wanted a guy like this on the back end for for years. They could move the puck up to the forwards. Yeah, he's he's a solid player. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and you know makes the the right play a lot of the times, right? And and it's it's so um, underrated that first pass out of your end to get it on the tape all the time and get the puck into the forwards' hands. And you know when you're a forward, and you know I'm thinking of the Flyers right now um, this season, it's it's tough for the defenseman to make those first passes. They're either rimming it, you know, then the forwards are getting hemmed in, then you're just playing defense most of the time, right? So if you get those passes on the forwards' hands. You know, especially, you know, make the even and dry saddle and, uh, you know, all the guys that they have up front just wheeling and dealing, right? It's it's a, it's a fun way to play ho- uh, hockey when you're playing offense. So it's uh, it's it's so nice to get those pucks out of your zone and on on uh, uh, players' tapes. Yeah, yeah, he's been really interesting to watch. And, and a, you know, a right shot guy too, which they haven't had with that type of offensive capability for a long time as well. Scott Hartnell joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, look, I got to ask you about the the big topic over the last couple of days and that was the open mic with uh with tim peel and the talk about the the game management and and all that kind of stuff you know i, I talked to a few ex-players yesterday who don't work in the media so they got to stay yeah. anonymous you don't <laughs> but you know what one guy said look sometimes you see behind the curtain and it's it's not that pretty i mean i, I don't want to like i said on my show yesterday we're not dumping on tim peel he paid the price but you played i i mean how much game management makeup calls do you think they actually were? And as a player, did you just accept that if there was that? I, I think it's in every sport, right? You, you look at basketball, you know, college basketball, NBA, you know, teams up by, you know, 11 points. And next thing you know, there's fouls coming on, on the team that's behind. Right. And uh, it's, 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 I don't know if it, it is what it is, but those fouls probably weren't called in the first half. Right. And, um, you know, football, the same thing. There might, there's probably holds and, you know, hands to the face every time, but, you know, sometimes there's calls to, you know, uh, make them punt the football to make it a closer game. I, I'm just, that's just me being a fan. And in hockey as well, too, you, um, if you got away with one, a call, like they were looking for you. Uh, you know, I know I, there's a target on my back many times for um, chintzy penalties just because I was probably an easy target to, so, oh, no, that was a harder slash than it was, or, you know, you hit him from behind when it wasn't from behind. But, uh, you know, Tim Peel is a great referee. I had a lot of conversations with him. He's ref a ton of my games, uh, you know, over my career and and was a very approachable guy, uh, you know, a smile on his face. He could, you know, tell him to, you know, go somewhere and how to get there, right? And he'd give it right back. And and th- th- those are the kind of interactions that you miss as a being a former player, right? And he wasn't looking to, to to get you back or knife you in the back, right? But um, yeah, you, you, it's 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 an unfortunate thing. But I think there are, there are calls that you know are chintzy when it's a three nothing game or a three one game, and you know there's ten minutes left. It, it happens every time. But I don't I don't know. It's just hard to say. But there there I think there is makeup calls or or you know when there's something missed, you you definitely try and look for a call. It's it's just kind of human nature. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. Uh, that's how he's going to go out when he was so close yeah. to, to just yeah. going out on his own terms. Exactly. And it's, and it's sad. And he had a great career and, and, you know, probably rest in finals and, uh, you know, you always recognize him after, after a game too. And he'd always stop and say, hi, how's the family, you know, where are you off to next? And, you know, just a, a real good, uh, good human being. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Scott, it's it's awesome to catch up with you. I know you hop on the show here once or twice a year, and uh, and I do appreciate it that uh, that we've been able to stay in touch all these years as well. All the best to you and the family. All the best with the continued TV work as well. 
Thank you, Reed, and uh, good luck to your Oilers. Fun to watch these guys. <laughs> there we go. That is Scott Hartnell checking in tonight. He was fun to watch play. Yeah, he could get under your skin if he played for the other team, but he was uh, he was good that good at that. Uh, known Scott since the summer of 2000 when he got drafted by the. Nashville Predators. He's from Lloyd Minster, played for the Prince Albert Raiders. All right, let's quickly update the scoreboard. Well, his former Flyers, man, they're struggling, aren't they? It's 6-2 for the Rangers after two periods. Also after two, Bruins lead the Islanders 2-1. Capitals up 3-2 on the Devils. Hurricanes up 2-1 on the Blue Jackets. Still 1-1, Maple Leafs and Senators. Start of the third, the Penguins lead the Sabres 2-zip. No score after one between the Blues and the Wild, and no score after one between the Blackhawks and the Panthers. But in the Preds and Red Wings, a lot of scoring. 4-1 already for Nashville. Rocco Grimaldi has a hat trick up to six goals this season. No score, lightning and stars halfway through the first. All right, we got to take a timeout for the news and weather. Manny Viveros, Edmonton native, now coaching the Henderson Silver Knights, one of the best teams in the AHL when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.